your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. You'll have noticed our brand new intro music, courtesy of a friend of the show, Steve Barkwell. Big thanks to Steve. I am, of course, James Boyman, joined as always by my co-host, Ryan Williams. How you doing, Ryan? I'm pretty darn good. And like I said before, keep calm and let Alex Wobie handle it. That's all I have to say. We're doing something a little different today. Ryan and I are actually on camera <laughs> while recording, and he has his. If you didn't see on Twitter, he has this Keep Calm and Let Alex Will Be Handle It t-shirt on. So we did the, just that today, and Everton ended up winning 3-2 away at Craven Cottage against Fulham in the Premier League, breaking the losing streak of three consecutive losses. Unfortunately, this is now six consecutive matches in which Everton have conceded two or more goals uh, this is the first time it's happened since October 2008. So some questions about the defense, but ultimately three points on the board. And let's just get into some of our uh, reactions on Twitter from listeners and, and our followers. First up is uh, at Gwyn underscore 76 said, turned off the gas at halftime and set the rice to simmer. We needed to batter these for 90 minutes for our own confidence and for the sake of gold difference. Yeah, I, I understand the sentiment there, but you know, it's not necessarily possible. Um, and then I think Peter Morris had a follow-up on that, which I think is very good. His quote was, we'll take three points every time. Key players tired very quickly in the second half, and we lost our offensive threat to relying on Richarlison's drive and Hamas's vision. When they fade, the team vanishes. There, there's a fair point to be made there, and I think that's the counter to Gwyn. I mean, you'd love to be on the front foot the whole time and just hammer them, but sometimes that's not, that's not an entirely possible, and I think that leads to... You know, Robbie O'Neill says the same thing here. Good match overall, but lacked energy in the second half. Um, yeah, fair point. You know what I mean? But it's the Premier League and Fulham plays with some intensity, too. Yeah, I mean, to Fulham's credit, they did not play all that well the first half. I think a lot of our problems in the second half just were largely due to Fulham playing much better and, and they had more energy which sort of siphoned maybe some of ours away. Um, but lastly, and I'm not sure I agree with this point, but it was brought up by both DU Football Show and Ian Alley, who both said essentially more questions than answers, even though we won. Uh, I think there's some interesting questions to be asked, and I think a lot of people were perhaps asking questions when the lineup dropped early morning East Coast, 6 a.m., and we see finally – Gilfie Sigurdsson dropped to the bench. We see both Alex Wobie, Hamas Rodriguez, Richarlison returns from his suspension, Decore Allen. And it seemed like we were kind of just going to go with the standard 4-3-3, but then it was kind of a question of, well, how does Alex Wobie fit into this with both Richarlison and Hamas? Um, so, and then the bench, relatively strong. Andre and Siggy, Bernard, Cenk Tosin, Mason Holgate, wasn't uh, or was, of course, dropped following the Manchester United match in favor of that Keane and Mina partnership. And Godfrey gets back into the side. So interesting choices by Carlo. I think part of it was probably a setup. The way we tactically set up, we'll get into that in a bit. I think he anticipated Mitrovic playing up top. So I think that's something when we talk about positioning and how people played. Uh, I'm not surprised at the names. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not entirely surprised at least how somewhat how we were structured in terms of places on the pitch. When I saw it, my initial reaction was 4-3-3, um, but it was more, 
okay, Godfrey, it's going to be asymmetrical. Godfrey will sit back on the right and uh, Dean will push up higher. Um, and I thought Alex would be on the right. I, I just, I still maintain that I, I like Hamez, and we talked about this on the last pod and on Toffee TV. I just like Hamez, the ability to roam and change positions. I think he's harder to deal with. Um, and, and then, ironically, when you look at kind of the tactical setup in terms of how they were playing, when we had the ball, you could tell when Hamez was over there on that right side, like he has been. Yes, I know. Well, we was playing over to his right, almost as a wingback. James still was being marked very tightly by them in their midfield. Now you notice he swung around a bit and, and that makes it harder. You know, if you know where a guy is going to be the whole time, he's not very difficult to stop, especially a guy like him where he's not, not the swiftest. Now I think he's very good at finding space to receive a ball. And I think we saw that, but yeah, I mean, the setup was uh, interesting. Um, I think there were some shape issues and we'll talk about that as we kind of get into it. And you saw a little bit of high pressing early, um, but you know, Skinny Paolo is the one who made the comment, I think, on Twitter to us. And we, we've had a couple back and forth on a couple different things. Looked to back three to me with the Wobie right wing back. And I think it suited him. And yeah, I mean, he played that way functionally. But I still maintain, I mean, Carlo's got a singular system right now, I think. Um, and it has some boundaries and some bandwidths. And I don't think this is a massive extension of that system. But it's hard to argue. I mean, for the most part, we had three people in the back. But, but still kind of in that vein of asymmetric type of shape but it was funny the way it played out because mean i think initially was kind of brought in there to deal with mitrovic and when it didn't play like that um it changed a little bit of our shape with cavalero kind of stepping back almost as a false nine at times but the one thing i did love uh james is that we had better balance you know it wasn't just all the left side um you know we had a right side attack uh and i thought especially it was effective when we started swinging the ball back and forth like the width you're not going to be successful in the final third against a team that once you break Fulham's press, they'll sit back uh, without width and without good ball movement. And I, I think we, we did a lot of that. Yeah. I, I think the, frankly, a lot of credit is deserved by Alex. It today for providing a lot of that attacking balance on the right-hand side, because we know that we kind of struggled there. And to your point about Hamas, totally agree when you pigeonhole him as an, we haven't really done that, but when you consider him a right-sided player, then the team can very easily, the opposition can very easily tactically set up to Definitely. overload on the right-hand side, eliminate a lot of that free space. But when he has license to roam, you then have a Wobi overlapping. You can have Richarlison and him linking up on the same side. And when you have, when you allow Hamas to drift <clears> and then by way of that link up with our most effective offensive players, he can contribute that much more to their game and bring the best out of them. And I think we saw a good indication of that, at least until he started to fade in the second half, but balance wise. Yeah. I mean, we know that the left-hand side has kind of been our forte all season, but today it looks very, very even 34% of our attacks down the right, 38 down the left and 28 down the middle. So, I mean, that's really what you want to see because when you become very predictable and, and one dimensional, it makes it easy for the opposition to stop. And I, even though that we didn't offer much offensively in the second half, I think we did enough in the first half that allowed us to then sit back for better or for worse and sort of sit on the lead as and people complain about that, but that's what the good teams do. You get a lead and you defend it. And if you're playing open for 90 minutes, you're going to end up shipping more goals than you need to. Yeah. We know Fulham, defensive. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're right. And Fulham has some good attacking players too. I, I know it's easy to bag on them and say, you know, they're not the best squad in the world, but I think their issues are more at the back defending. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a, it's not their attack. They have lots of options. Look at their bench. I mean, I was actually surprised that, 
some of the guys that were on the bench that they had and did not start. That was interesting. But to your earlier point, in our previous pod, we talked about what 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 are the issues right now? What does Everton need to do to get back on track? One of those things was touches. Get James more touches. Get Richarlison more touches, which is hard when he's out. But um, for James, he had 57 touches in 73 minutes. That's a lot. That's great, right? And we we did the analysis show. Look, man, he hasn't had fewer than, what, 65 touches in the first four matches. And then he dropped well under 60, every one of them after that. Well, this is 57, but in 73 minutes. And yeah, realistically, sitting back again, I think it's a byproduct of some of the guys being tired off international breaks. So bravo for us to managing that. Um, But yeah, I will say this. It was funny when we first came out, you know, it was like, wow, I, I thought, wow, we're going back to Carlo pressing high Real Madrid style. And it was exciting. You know, immediately, I don't know what Fulham was doing, trying a little too hard to play out of the, look, they're going to try and play out of the back. That's fine. But boy, they did very, very tentatively lost the ball. And next thing you know, you know, a little quality in the final third for us and bang, it was one nil. Yeah, it was an outstanding, I mean, outstanding pressure right off the get-go because, you know, Fulham, again, trying to play out of the back. They go with a long switch at the back. Uh, Aina, is under pressure as the ball is coming out of the air by Luca Dean, who's again, very high on that left-hand flank. Yep. He sort of heads it just to get it away from the pressure. And then De Cordova Reed tries to pass it backwards. Rich Arlison jumps in that lane, intercepts it very direct driving to the, to the end line, beats a defender in the box, crosses it, takes a bit of an unfortunate deflection on, for, on Fulham's part, but falls to the inside the six master Dominic Calvert-Lewin gets on the board where ahead inside one minute so if you uh weren't very prompt and on time to tuning in today you missed uh an exciting opening first minute and really an exciting opening half overall but for 15 minutes in particular great to see dom doing what he does best getting on the scoreboard early Fulham actually had moments too early where they did mm. control the ball fairly well you could tell structurally we did we did have a bit of a challenge because i don't think we were prepared for Mitrovic not being in there, uh, but we were dangerous from the get-go. Uh, you know, we had a couple other, I think, dangerous chances in there, but sure enough, we we were just let down in the 15th minute, you know, um, that's when things changed a little bit. And I, I was just, it was just such a shame. It was one of those plays where it was a great give and go and, and they did a good job finding space and, uh, you know, Cordova Reed, which is a lovely combination of, uh, nationalities i think smashed together uh, but the point was he 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 did a very good job kind of sitting in one spot that was difficult to play he was almost equidistant between allen who didn't quite cut him off to corey keen couldn't really go towards him because the player was coming at him ultimately yeri mina has to break off and, and and anticipate that play maybe a little bit better you could tell he kind of wanted to stay in front of him instead of trying to anticipate him making that first touch so it's a little bit of bad luck but he did drive him fairly wide does Pickford have to save that or do better on that one? Or are we just being nitpicky? I think that's the one that he could save. But again, I mean, he's effectively in on goal and he goes far post. That's a really, really tough to cover. I mean, again, maybe a keeper makes that. But if you're he does have some space at the near post that he has to cover, you really don't want to get beat near post there. So he gets down. It's not nearly enough. It's a fairly well taken shot. And it's it's maybe a bit harsh on both Decore and Mina for not stopping that. I mean, there's a reason the give and go is so effective in yeah. like every sport that it's implemented in. Yep, uh, it's really hard to to mark guys coming off that. 
but I think we just got caught a little, little flat footed trying to hold our defensive line. And, and it was, a, it was a great run and it was a good one quick boom, boom. And they're in on goal and they equalize. It was really frustrating again to see us unable to defend a lead. And, uh, you know, luckily we did seem to respond to conceding very well. We didn't drop our heads and we kept the pressure on. And just five minutes later, I mean, Richarlison had an unbelievably good chance to score. Not only does he make the initial interception off of Lamina, he then gets it to Decore, another give and go uh, with Calvert-Lewin at the top of the box, really well executed. He tries to cut it back to his right foot. I think he probably should have kept that one on his left. Maybe. Um, because he ends up trying to do a little finesse curl. Uh, and and it's a kind I mean, it's a good save, but it's relatively easy in the end when he maybe takes that a bit quicker, drives it with his left foot bottom corner. I think he has more space there. Yeah, Ariola kind of jumped and made a good decision, anticipating that he was going to his left. Made a made a vice made actually a save. It was a decent shot. Made it probably look a little easier. Um, yeah. But you saw the threat there. It was a little bit of back and forth. And and it's funny. I think because of the goal, you could tell again splitting two of our center backs. Um, you could see they played a little more compactly going forward. But I, I think I still think the big change was in like the 27th-ish minute, Hamez flipped over to the left side, which um, he should have the license to be able to do. And the second that happened, because Fulham was really marking him very tightly, he was having trouble getting the ball. People were making comments about his work rate already. I mean, come on, people, please. It's like 20 minutes into a match. I know you're frustrated that they scored, but the guy is fine. Here, heavens. Thomas Rodriguez here. Who are we talking about? But yeah, and then, and then, you know, you wrote on our sheet, goal of the day, and the thing was absolutely amazing. Yeah, this is when Alex Awobi showed kind of what he's really capable of. You know, the ball kind of swung back out to him. And he, at pace, at speed, just, you know, weaving, slaloming in between players, uh, played it back out to Hamas Central. And then, then, I mean, the ball movement there from Awobi, who took a couple guys out and then brought it back for Hamas to send it over to Dean and just an absolute perfect cross right on the ground. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, close to being offsides. He wasn't offsides. Wasn't. They look at this. I mean, it's not. Do people not know the rules at this point? The arm, the hand is not. I, I don't know what to say anymore. It, it's just like, read the rules. There's a book out there. I mean, anyway, it was a beautiful combination of play. It happened very fast. And uh, he finished adequately. Keeper had no chance. But I just, the fact that it had everything in it that you would want off a good goal, it had a take on. We beat a couple guys. It had a ball switch. The ball moved quickly. Our spacing was excellent. And it ended just the way it should. 2-1 Everton. It was a magnificent goal. Some of the best and most cohesive buildup. And we've had moments of unbelievably creative and successful buildup yeah. this season. This was right up there. Again, the ability of Alex Awobi to he takes three guys out of the play from and makes probably a 35, 40 yard run in the end to just draw the defense, draw them out. And then that switch, because he beats all those guys, you've got Luca Dean who's inside of the box, wide open, unmarked, no one near him. And we know what an effective crossover the ball. Is. He is arguably one of the best in the premier league, if not top five leagues in Europe and Calvert Lewin again, Scoring inside the six, exactly what Carlo wants from him. This is what Carlo wants to a T. Excellent ball movement. And we're up again, great response to conceding. And we kept the pressure on. And it was some some really brilliant individual play. And it wouldn't be the last time we saw that on the day. 
Yeah, and that whole sequence right there, probably the next, almost all the way to the end of the first half was just excellent. Yeah. I mean, you saw the ball being sprayed all over the place, and it's so important to attack with width in the final third if you could do it well without turning it over. James Rodriguez is one of the best passers of the ball in terms of playing it to his side in the final third. Passes that normally get picked off when mere mortals try it, but not with James Rodriguez. Uh, I don't know if it's the shape of his ball, just... His vision, his precision, obviously, as a passer. But it was amazing. We were just spinning the ball back and forth. We made it so difficult to stop. And not surprisingly, in the 34th minute, you know, we got back up to make it 3-1 to one on a play that, I mean, it was just very nice to see DeCore because we we won the ball. Godfrey, I think, won the 50-50, right? And we moved yep. the ball out of there very quickly. Um, James with yet another just, I mean, sicko. <laughs> What do you flick. say? Oh, I mean, outside of the boot, Dean gets it, loops it, and just perfect cross. Decore making a big run. It was just immense all day. Wonderful finish, and uh, it was a beautiful goal too. Um, it was just, it was, I, I was, I was very happy for for Decore. You know, finally he gets off off the snide uh, into the goal column, um, and he was immense all game. And it just Fulham was just in big trouble at that point. It could have been even more. Yeah, at that point, Fulham. Look, I mean, we and again to our credit, we made them look like they were chickens running around with their head cut off because of our effective ball movement. They weren't able to uh, really do any any kind of cohesive pressure, create any kind of cohesive pressure on the ball as a team because of how quickly we were moving it, cutting them to shreds, cutting them to ribbons. It was really very very enjoyable to watch after all of the frustration in the past three games. Really, kind of, and Fulham are, I think, pretty. Pretty likely to get relegated, to put it about as nicely as I possibly can. Um, and so they're not a great team. So I think it's worth taking that, taking this result with a grain of salt, at least the first half. But we did look good. We looked much more similar to the early season Everton that ended up top of the table than the more recent Everton. Um, and then, you know, we managed to get to halftime, keeping the score the same. A couple more maybe could have been a slightly larger scoreline at halftime. We had a couple oh, yeah. more chances. I mean, we were, Richarlison in the 40, how does he miss that? I mean, uh, it's what a sequence too. I mean, it was unbelievable. The ball was just flying from side to side. Decore to James, you know, Richarlison kind of fell, could have scored there. Ball kept it in, right? James yep. all the way back over to Dean. You know, Decore wins it back. The ball pops up in the air. Dean with that awesome back heel to DeCorey. DeCorey with the through ball, which he does very, very well. Plays Dean through and Richarlison on the 10 and just whiffed. Um, that was pretty <laughs> shocking, actually, that he missed that. I mean, oh I don't God. think we lost it again for like another minute or two. It was almost two straight minutes of just pure attack. I think it swung back over to the right. And I'll tell you what, too. I think Alex will be on the right side. I said it before and I'll say it again. I feel like he has a little bit of restraint. You know what I mean? Like I feel on the left, he feels compelled to really try and make things happen, even when there's not anything to make happen. And I felt like he, he maybe could have taken more guys on, on the right, but didn't in sometimes. And I think, I think in a wise way, even right before half too, Richarlison had that awesome run where he danced around a couple people and just, you know, and then Hamas hammered that shot, which was a pretty good save, very underrated save. He smoked it. And I mean, Fulham was just very happy to get, to halftime with it, you know, being three to one. Uh, some of the numbers too were pretty damning for Fulham, I think, at half. Yeah, we ended up with 58% possession, 86% passing, only one dispossession, six dispossessions for Fulham. So we were clinical with the ball, clinical shooting, and 
it, again, at halftime, it looked like we could have continued to run up the score. As you said, Ryan, though, I mean, I think Fulham were a little bit unlucky, and I think their luck got a little bit better in the second half, bar a couple examples that we'll get into. But let's uh, let's keep rocking here, move on to the second half. We come out, and it's almost like it's a completely different match, right from almost the opening kickoff. I, I think it, it felt a little different, but I don't think really we started to – Totally. Br- I mean, we still had a couple chances early. We had the ball a little bit, but I, I think until the subs, things really yeah, didn't yeah. change that. German- I mean, they certainly had more the ball. We talked before we got on the pod about how Fulham was pressuring better. Um, if if you watched them play it all in the championship last year, they pressured very well and, and were very active. You saw more of that. Like I said, they have good attacking players, so it's not crazy that they could keep the ball and, and have some sustained pressure. Uh, we almost scored on a free kick in the 46, though. Richie may have been off sides. It also felt like we played a little bit structurally different a couple times. We definitely did it when Davies came in, but I felt like we were more in a 4-4-2 at times uh, without the ball. Still with the ball, you could see us break with kind of the winning back formation, but looked like James and, and Dom were kind of more up top. But yeah, I mean, we still had some sequence. There was a sequence in the 56 where Allen and Decore were, I mean, it looked like, like an alleyway street fight for the ball. You know, I mean, guys kicking, clawing, fighting for the ball to Corey, knocking people over. Allen was just, you know, get how he loves how he gets low and just sticks his feet in with people and pulls out the ball and stuff. It's just surgical at times. There was that one tackle he had where he slid in and literally like pinched the ball between his legs. It's crazy on his butt (laughs) and picked up and like ran the opposite direction. It was like precise. (laughs) Imperfect. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I, he takes tackling to an art form. Apparently, the, tackling the Brazilian way. It was uh, incredible. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you know, and and then I think I think really what happened was the subs. Um, yeah. We started to tire. Uh, it was very noticeable, probably about ten minutes. But in fifty eighth minute, uh, Fulham made a sub. They brought in uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek and uh, and Gisa, who who I think is a very good player. A little surprised he didn't start. And they were very good in possession. You know, I, I don't necessarily know. I mean. There wasn't a tremendous thought that they were going to split the center backs again. We were a little more compact. Sadly, Gary Mina started that second half when we were defending more was immense. I mean, over the match, I think he had something like five clearances. No one had more than maybe two or three. And he really stepped up. And I, I think when Mitrovic comes in soon after, I mean, it was... He was the guy that was kind of locking him down and stuff. Um, but yeah, you could see we started to look a little fatigue. Um, and then in the 67th, sure enough, well, I'm first you saw Anthony Robinson actually finally starting to get into the match offensively. And, you know, us as Americans, we'd love to see him do well. But let me tell you what, defensively. Liability. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, Awobi was absolutely bossing. And the one time he took him down to the touchline and just like almost gave him the beast mode you know marsha yeah. lynch like marshawn lynch like get off of me yeah yes. i was like i was like come get on. off me i was like i would say yeah that's that's a man among boys but i'm like well he's only 24 so right it's not really yeah um but yeah you saw it you know i, I think loftus cheek gets nicked a little i mean he drives me crazy you know he does i've told you this yeah too. anyone that's my size that flops like he does drives me nuts um but I think Godfrey was having a good match and it's just a bad play. It's just yeah. a bad play. It was a poor decision. I, I don't, I don't know why it was just clumsy and he's not a clumsy player. I don't think I, I don't know what your take is on it. I think it's a penalty and just kind of 
dumb and I, I they weren't that dang- people were saying on on twitter and stuff oh they look what are we doing we need to crank it back up they weren't that dangerous honestly no. and yeah that was a dangerous play but i don't know i just god i just think it was an individual mistake really yeah i mean they looked they were in a lot of threatening areas without yeah. actually legitimately threatening very much yeah I we think- had the ball we had good shape right yes they had it but i i was never like oh no they're gonna break through i i thought this was more of an atypical play honestly Right. Keep that. And then for the penalty, I agree. I mean, I think Godfrey just gets just frankly done by the cutback and kind of leaves his foot in there, doesn't make the contact. And he in Loftus Sheik sells it for better or for worse. That's the game as it is. I don't think it's a legitimate enough contact for a foul, but we've seen it given time and time again. So that's the, that's the world we live in, I guess. And uh, there was contact. I mean, that's yeah. there was contact. Yep. Right? And, yep. and players are going to sell that in the box. Every single time we would do it, anyone else would do it. Um, it was kind of harsh on Godfrey, but luckily it didn't end up really affecting anything because the uh, the Fulham penalty, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> debacle, ongoing debacle, because it, I mean, it makes no sense. We obviously, if you haven't seen the Lookman one when he tried to Penanka it, uh, which I'll tell you what, though. You got to have some. We I know a common theme on the show is cajones. Yes, uh, Lookman. I mean, I, the scouting report must have said that that you know the keeper guesses when he tried that. But this one, I, I feel bad. I, well, I don't feel too bad because we won, but right. I, I feel a little bit bad. I mean, he clearly slips going into it, and then kind of double hits it. I mean, it was <laughs> he's laying on the ground, just completely dejected. I mean, there was more of a threat of the construction workers on the side of the pitch getting hit. <laughs> Probably the same guy that Richarlison gave his kit to at the end. It was, Honestly. I mean, you saw the look on his face. It, it's like the ultimate, like, frame that look to say, we're, we're, we're not staying up, are we? <laughs> Poor guy. It was di- absolutely diabolical take. Like, uh, sums up their season so far in a nutshell. And at the time, I mean, it would have been a huge goal. And in the end, it obviously was the difference between three points and one point for Fulham. So it's a hugely consequential play. And, you know, Mitrovic is usually their guy who takes them. He's hasn't been able to knock it to Lookman. He blew it. And so what are you number three? Now who's number four? (laughs) And it, yeah, they're just going to have to keep trying until something clicks, but that was just atrocious. Um, And then, yeah, just such a weird penalty. And I thought we lucked out at that point thinking, wow, we kind of escaped that. I I mean, I really don't think it was even that deserved to have, two goals at that point for them. But sure enough, in the 69th, uh, they did break through. Adamola Lookman did kind of come to live a little bit in the second half. He does. Not too many people get the best of Luca Dean. He definitely did on this play. Got around him in the outside. uh, Low cross back to the 12, which is very difficult to stop. Um, Loftus-Cheek hit it well, but it was low, probably saveable. And then Mina. Oh, God, he gets in such good position. I don't, I guess he was just too slow going down to his knee. I don't know why. Maybe he was fatigued. I, I just don't, I don't get it. Deflects off him and goes in. I, I got to feel that pick would probably have saved that one. I just, you know, I mean, he comes right back and almost, you know, they almost score again too, right after that. Right, I mean, right. It's a fantastic clearance and a poke. Yeah. I, I just, two very, just bad mistakes on Mina's part. The first one more forgivable. This one was just come on, man. That's kind of fundamental. I truly don't think he played that badly. I don't think the back line played that badly. I did not see this leaky back line that was giving chance after chance. And we, we decided to defend. We were clearly exhausted. Richarlison should have been called off way before this. He looked dead. 
but that one's got to be uh, got to be on Mina, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. And in I think at this point in the match is when as fans, we start to project ghosts of seasons past onto the current team because Were you concerned? Did you think like yeah, they're gonna at, score? Yeah, I mean, yes. Once we conceded, once they, you know, we give give up the pen, we dodge that, immediately concede after, and then almost concede right after that. I was freaking out a little bit. At the same time, I knew that well, we definitely needed to make some subs and shore up the back line and sh- and shore up the defense and make sure that we could see this out because we weren't really getting much going in the opposite direction offensively. It didn't look like we were going to get a fourth goal. So the opposite of that, we just have to prevent them from conceding. And we did just that with the substitutes shortly thereafter, bringing on at basically the same time, probably the two favorite scapegoats of the Everton fan base, Gilfie Sigurdsson and Tom Davies for Richarlison and James. It made taking both of them off made sense, but bringing those two guys on, just as bizarre, but then you look at the bench and you're yes. like, okay, well, what else would you do there? Bring yeah, that's, that's, that's the problem. And, and I think, you know, Delph's out, but means out still, you know, if, if those two were on there, suddenly I, I, I like how we look, right. You know, maybe, maybe I was probably more concerned because of that, because I looked at the bench, I could tell we were dead and it just didn't, didn't look very pretty. Um, but Davies did okay. He still was totally disorganized positionally at times. Just, he just drives me crazy, but, but he did show initiative uh, with the ball. And, and frankly, the only threat we had, at least in carrying the ball out of our own half. I mean, obviously when we got a little deeper into the match, we weren't as interested in taking it towards goal was Davies and Alex Awobi. Really? I mean, I'll tell you what, Alex Awobi put in a shift defensively as well today, and he was carrying the ball out of our own zone. He was really the only guy, um, we clearly, when Tom came in, you see him signaling back to, you know, switching to a back four, and that was very obvious. And I, I thought our shape was pretty good at the end. They really didn't threaten too much after the 70th that I recall. Nothing that I felt totally dangerous, was totally dangerous. I still don't get guilty, though. I just, I just don't, I, I don't know what he brings. It'll be very interesting to see what happens in January. Uh, but ultimately, look, we hung on, and, and enough can't be said, uh, Allen and Decore clearly in the two, in my opinion, looked more coordinated. They were playing as a unit. They, they were going to the ball a lot, you know, so if someone could split them or get the ball through them to the other side, there was some danger. Uh, but we were more compact in the second half. I think we made it harder for Fulham. And, and I know it's Fulham, but like I said, they do have some dangerous attacking players. And let's be honest, we saw at the match. And, uh, yeah, exactly. and, and look, you know, like you said earlier, the good teams, good teams do that. Yeah, exactly. In you can moan all you want about the, the substitutes, but fact of the matter is they really didn't threaten after Gilfie and Tom came on. There was kind of unclear like what we wanted to do, but I think they only had one or two shots after after the substitute. Um, so overall, again, it's a win. It's not a pretty win. It's not an altogether comfortable win, but you have to take the three points, break the streak any way you possibly can. So let's talk about individual performances really quickly here, Ryan, before we wrap up. Um, we had a bunch of goods, a few okays, and no bads overall. Not really. I don't think I could point to anyone specifically that I thought was terrible. I understand Mina would probably be the question because he did make two mistakes, but you look at some of the other stuff that he did. I mean, five clearances, three block shots. He had a bunch of block shots. His passing wasn't great. I, I would say if anything was maybe bad or just okay. I felt like the distribution from the three center backs, uh, Godfrey playing as a virtual right center back was, was not great. Um, 
they didn't necessarily have to be all that incisive. They didn't really have to cut through lines, but when they were playing the ball long too, is not, not particularly successful. A lot of that happened in the second half, but um, that's that. And maybe Pitt could have done better on the first. His distribution wasn't great, but, but, but otherwise, I mean, the good performances were abound. The one, the first name that jumps to mind to me is, is Decore. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he lit up the stat sheet. Maybe wasn't quite as apparent to watch like the eye test, but I, he was everywhere. He was How absolutely miss everywhere. Him? Yeah, he, he was, was getting, everywhere, man. Getting up and down the pitch, disruptive, carrying the ball. He opens a scoring account with Everton, led the team in touches, led the team in pass percentage, uh, led the team in total passes, second on the team in tackles, nine takeaways overall. Nine. Both Niner. sides of the ball, incredibly influential. I also wanted to just give a quick shout out to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who even though you know his largest contribution was effectively two tap-ins, he now has 10 goals on the season, leading the race for the golden boot. Fast, also scored at 43 seconds, the fastest goal of the season. And with his 10 goals, he's now scored as many or uh, more than eight teams currently in the Premier League, more than Arsenal, and as many as Manchester City. So no small feat. Yeah, the one thing I'll give him a lot of credit for is in the second half, the long balls to him that we were trying to help, you know, he could hold the ball up a little bit. It, they just weren't very accurate. So he was really kind of chasing yeah. shadows. Um, I do think at times, I do think at times when we had possession in the first half and looked great, there are a couple of times, especially when the ball went wide to the right, he really should have come back to the ball more. I mean, he's got to be aware that Richarlison's making runs behind him. If he comes back and holds it up a little bit better, DeCorey can jump into the play. I, I, I think there were a couple times, if I'm being nitpicky, where I think he could have improved on that. But other than that, I, I thought he was excellent. And look, I mean, not everyone can get in the box and finish, you know, and, and he has strength and power and pace to do those things and courage. And he's showing those, you know, not if, if it was so easy to finish inside the six in the Premier League, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> so uh, true. Right. But they're not, you know, and then I, I will call him out because apparently, you know, I've got the T-shirt and everything. Uh, like I said, just keep calm and let Alex Awobi handle it. And he did today. Um, you know, the stat sheet maybe doesn't flatter him as much as it should, but I mean, his defensive work rate was fantastic. He carried the ball forward. Uh, he gave us balance. He was a threat on the right. Anthony Robinson is going to see Alex Awobi in his nightmares tonight. I think five dribbles. Um, his, it's funny. I mean, this goes to show you the limitations of expected assists and maybe we'll see it revised in, in better stats, but uh, there were several crosses in there that were absolutely dangerous, but because we didn't get a shot necessarily out of them, you know, it didn't happen, but he was instrumental in that balanced attack and, and watching him. It's very different when Hamas has the ball. It's so nice because Dean and Awobi both knew that I don't have to back up. If I stay wide, even on the touch lines, he can give it to me. And it, and it just forces width on the opponent, because if you're on the backside, you're thinking I got to stay home here. You know what I mean? And it creates openings down the middle too. Yeah. I thought Alex was absolutely immense. It was really nice to see him play. And I, like I said, I like him better on the right side. Uh, shout out to uh DU football show. And uh, Steven, my man who's been kidding me a lot with the Wobi after the t-shirt thing, showing the, you know, Frank black, you know, <laughs> the loot. That was good stuff. And then Luca Dean comes to mind too. I mean, the precision of his crossing, I just never, never ceases to, to amaze me. And he was very good in the back in the air as well. Yeah. I thought Luca Dean again, he, he just kind of, so, he's so consistently excellent that you bar last game. I think United, he struggled a little bit, but he's consistently very, very good. And he, as a result, he 
doesn't stand out as much despite his consistently high performance levels. Four key passes today, two assists, just keeping keeping on, keeping on doing what he does best. And again, his ability to get forward and truly, even though he's a left back and played kind of a left wing back-ish role today, which is what he does normally, he's so good at transitioning out of the defensive phase to the offensive phase and back and forth and his work rate. He never seems to get particularly tired. One of the few players that persists all for all 90 minutes, all credit to him. And then Allen, again, we talked about his ridiculously precise tackles. He had three of those today, 82% passing, just providing that little bit of coverage for that back three really. Uh, and, and even at times today got forward a little bit. There were times uh, later on in the match when we weren't looking to threaten going forward, where he actually drove the ball with some purpose and uh, released a little bit of pressure late on, which I thought was great to see. And then, as I said, no real bad performances. We had uh, James, I think maybe, I mean, he had some really influential moments, but by and large uh, was, was Fulham did a good job of, of shutting him out. He got tired. Uh, you got to yeah. give him credit for his defensive um effort in the second half but still i mean you know he's so instrumental to moving the ball he was dangerous at the top of the 18 when he gets the ball there he is definitely trouble had a shot or two blocked had a good save i mean he was maybe unfortunate in that way but he was still instrumental you know he's still kind of the glue a little bit there i yep. think um but yeah i mean no known really bad i mean i thought godfried had a tough gig today and and did well he made one mistake again i just don't think that's fundamental um he's gonna get better he is. He's still a very young player. And you saw a little more of his athleticism and how how good his feet are. Um, it's exciting. You know, he could be a really, really good player uh, for us. Um, deserved or not the win? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, InfoGoal, you know, gives us our expected goal, 1.9 versus 1.9. Again, I think that's a little misleading because we had the ball a couple times in the box where did not result in a shot, but were very dangerous spots, like inside the six, right. you know. But anyway, James, over to you. Man of the match. Brian, I'm going to perhaps unexpectedly steal your thunder here. I'm going Alex Wobie because, wow. again, providing that balance on the right-hand side, asked to do a little bit more defensive work, which uh, I thought he did superbly. The crosses, you talk about him, be him being better, Ryan standing up and showing me his shirt. You talk about him being better on the right and showing more restraint. I think he maybe feels a little more obviously he's right footed so he has the ability to just make those runs and cross with his strong foot and yep. not necessarily have to cut back beat a man to get it onto his strong foot to play it into the box he looked very very uh determined and purposeful today going forward with the ball i i don't know if that's the long-term answer for him right wing back but certainly on the right side he solves a lot of problems for uh or answers a lot of questions that fans have been asking about on that side for a long time i hope we leave him out there uh yeah. there is something about it too when he has the ball in terms of possession you can't get through him i mean he's a really strong guy i mean he's got good size he's got good strength he's a good athlete you know he holds people at bay pretty well for me though i'm gonna go with decore uh, I mean, yes. Okay. Truly to out myself Decorey is my favorite player, but, uh, but, uh, what's more important to me is he was everywhere. The effort never stopped. That was the engine that we've seen. He combined very well with Alon. Uh, they worked well together today. I think they may have played a little higher at times like they had in the past, but I felt like they were more coordinated at times. They both were the deepest defensive mid, you know, they worked well as a tandem. It did remind me a little bit more of Napoli when, uh, 
Alan was with Ruiz and they switched a little bit, but Alan was normally the one that kind of enabled the other one Ruiz. And in this case, to Corey to get up and down the pitch, like we talked about last pod, but I mean, nine, nine takeaways crazy and a goal, you crazy know, town through balls. I mean, unbelievable. It truly is one of the better performances I've seen. Uh, he's not the most precise passer, but in terms of an Everton kit providing energy in the middle of the midfield, I mean, we've missed that for many years and it's just nice to see it paying off kudos to Marcel brands. It's exactly what we need in there. And we saw it today and he's my guy, uh, despite the t-shirt, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's great pick. Totally fair. We'll certainly have an interesting test next weekend versus Marco Bielsa's leads high energy. Uh, we'll test out Abdullah Decore's legs for sure. Thanks everyone for listening. If you would like to uh, subscribe, follow on your favorite podcast platform, leave us a five-star review. If you feel so inclined, follow us on social media at USA toffee pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, otherwise uh, catch us on toffee TV midweek. We'll be with you guys uh, post-match next time. And until then up the toffees.